You're listening to the Ollie at UNT podcast, recorded at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas. This podcast features interviews with the faculty, members, and staff who make up Ollie at UNT's vibrant community dedicated to lifelong learning for adults age 50 and better. To learn more about our program, please visit our website, olli.unt.edu or send us an email at olli at unt.edu. Now let's join our host, Ollie at UNT member, Susan Supak. This is Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, known to most of us as Ollie. I'm speaking with Jennifer Pope and Mark Youngblood. Jennifer is a partnership specialist for the United States Census Bureau, Denver-Dallas Regional Census Center. Jennifer is responsible for developing partnerships with state and local governments, community-based organizations, faith-based organizations, schools, media outlets, businesses, and grassroots entities. Jennifer has 24 years' experience as a consultant and corporate trainer with American Airlines and Sabre. She has extensive experience in training, including staff training and curriculum development, and has done training throughout the United States and abroad. She is a graduate of Louisiana Tech University, and she is a member of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority. Mark Youngblood is Regional Recruiting Coordinator for the Denver-Dallas region, which covers 12 states from the southern U.S. border to the northern U.S. border. Wow, that's quite a range. Welcome, Mark. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank Thank you. you. So good to have you here. I guess we should start out by explaining to people just what the Census Bureau does. I'm glad you asked that. Every 10 years, our mission is to go out and count everyone in the United States. It is mandated by the Constitution of the United States that we count everyone. That's very important because of an accurate count. We are able to distribute $675 billion to each state based on that count. We are actually able to do apportionment in the House of Representatives. Because of an accurate count in 2010, we actually in Texas received four additional seats. And we're hoping that with an accurate count for 2020, we receive additional seats. Also, it gives us a chance to do redistricting. That information is sent out to the states and they do redistricting. Sounds very important. It's very important. Very important information for people to have. Exactly. When I respond on the census, are my responses confidential? Are the individual responses confidential? Yes. Confidentiality is very important with the census for two ways this time. First, we take an oath until we die that we cannot relinquish any information. We are protected by Title 13. If we relinquish any information, we are fined $250,000 and our five years imprisonment. The second way is because this is the first time that you can do your census online, we have done very stringent data security to protect people when they go in to do their census survey. That is very impressive. So how did the census come about? Well, the census started in 1790, and once the census started in 1790, it's been mandated by the Constitution every 10 years that we do a census. That's why we're doing a census in 2020, because that's been 10 years from 2010. And you've touched on the fact that we do 
use this census to determine how many representatives each state gets. I would imagine communities and businesses must use that information, too, for planning purposes. Yes, there's a lot of ways that the census data are used. One is uh, to talk about infrastructure. So everyone loves riding on nice highways. Yes. Maybe even locating where a senior facility or a new hospital or a school is going to be is very important. So those are some of the things that that allocation of the money goes to. And keep in mind, when I said $675 billion, that money is distributed every year for the next 10 years. So that's why we always want to have an accurate count. So the census happens every 10 years. Every 10 years. And those numbers are used over that 10-year period for the planning. That is so important. It is very important. When I think of the census personally, I know how much I've used it in tracing my family background, my genealogy. It's wonderful to be able to track where people are. But when you think about what's used today for the census in terms of planning our community, it has to be so important in an area like this that's growing so quickly. I can only imagine even emergency services. Exactly. Emergency services. And you mentioned something else. She says genealogy. Yeah. When we talk about confidentiality, the information cannot be released until 72 years after the survey is done. Is that, that right? That is correct. So once someone does their survey in 2020, that information will not be released until 72 years from now. Well, that sounds important for people yes. to know. And we mentioned businesses. I suppose if people are planning on opening up certain businesses, that's got to be some helpful information. Exactly. They can use the census data to find out if they want to locate a business in a certain area or even if they want to expand their business because there's census data there to support. One uh, entity wanted to find out how many people came from, commuted to their office, how long it took them to commute to their office, as well as how many people commuted to their office. And we had that census data, and we were able to let them know that information. But that comes from another survey. We have additional surveys that happen throughout the year, so the information was able to be seen based on those surveys as well. It must be an incredible undertaking with all these statistics in keeping all of these facts and figures about America's people, places, and economy together. I don't think I have ever really thought that much about the United States Census Bureau in terms of helping us do what we do and keeping all that information. It sounds important not only currently, but historically as well. What a wonderful way to track the growth and progress that we make. Right. And that's why it is so important to mention again that everyone needs to do their census survey. And there's going to be three ways that they can do their survey this time. For the first time, they'll be able to go on the internet and do the survey. They can pick up the phone and do the survey. Or if they aren't very technologically advanced, they can still do their survey on paper as well. And when does the census happen? What's the timeline? Census day is April 1st, but people will start getting invitations in the mail around March the 12th, letting them know that they can go online and do their census survey. 
So that's going to be an important date for people to start looking at their mail to see when the invitation comes in. The one thing to remember, if they don't get their invitation in the mail during that time frame, and someone lets them know that they received their invitation, they can still go online, do their census survey because it's going to be tracked by their address. What kind of questions does the survey include? There are 10 questions. They ask them basic things like, their name, who lives in the household, what's the relation to the person in the household, simple questions like that. And want to also point out, if it's a multifamily household, want to ensure that everyone that lives in that household as of April 1st is counted on that survey. I can see why that's important based on what we've talked about before in order to be able to plan for a community. Exactly. Yeah, it sounds very crucial. And I hear that college students and people 55 and over are difficult to count. Now, why would that be? I don't want to say difficult to count. We call it hard to count. Okay. There are certain individuals that we look at that are hard to count. With college students, they may not know that if they live off campus, they need to do their survey themselves, self-respond. They might think that their parents are going to do it. If they live on campus, then they will be counted during group quarters. If they live at home with their parents, their parents will actually do their census survey. And sometimes the parents even get confused and they don't know, should I count my student? Are they going to be counted at school or something like that? With seniors, a lot of times they feel like, I don't want to give my information to someone. It's a very secure. So we have to assure them and educate them and let them know, once you do your census survey, it is very important that you answer all of the questions as well as ensure that the information is accurate on your census survey. So that's why sometimes seniors are considered hard to count as well as college students are considered hard to count. Hopefully once people get the word, and I know you're working very hard to get the message out and hopefully this podcast will help to understand things are confidential and also the importance in responding. Now, if someone doesn't mail or phone or do online, is there another opportunity? There is. The last opportunity for them to do their survey is an enumerator will come and knock on their door and get the information that way. But we're hoping that everyone will actually go online and do their census survey via the internet. And like I said, a lot of people aren't technologically savvy, so they can always still pick up the phone and call if they don't want to do their survey online. Great. Sounds like you have all the bases covered to make it as simple for people as possible. We do. That's wonderful. Now, Mark, I'm going to direct these questions to you as the regional recruiting coordinator, because I imagine this effort requires not only years of planning to develop methods to ensure accurate and complete count, but must also be very, very labor intensive. It sounds, especially with your regions going from the southern border of the United States way up to the northern border in Canada, Are you hiring for people for the 2020 census? (laughs) Absolutely. As Jennifer stated, our job is to count everyone in the nation. And our motto, theme, or slogan is to count everyone one time in the right place at the right time. So in order to do that, and even with the options that we have for people to self-respond, there's a lot of people that still don't do it, of course. So that's where I come into play because we need workers and people to go out in these communities to kind of 
push people over that finish line and assist them and get them to answer the census and to respond to the survey. So that's my job. So that number um, in our region, it's close to a half a million people. We need close to half a million applicants. Is that right? To hire. Yes. You're hiring close to a half a million people. That is correct. That's wonderful news for people who are looking for good opportunities to work. Yes, that is. And specifically in this area, we are going to need close to 12,000 applicants. We're just about halfway there. We're at 6,500. So still, there's a lot of opportunity. We're going to start doing those mass selections here right in about four weeks. So people still have time to go online and apply. The website to apply is www.2020census.gov forward slash jobs. Again, that's www.2020census.gov forward slash jobs. And is there a phone number that they can call? Absolutely. We have a dedicated phone line where all individuals, if they have any questions about jobs, if they need help filling out the application, they would be routed to the census office that's closest to where they live, which would be the office here in Denton. That number is one eight five five job 2020 And that's, again, it's one eight five five job 2020 So what are the requirements of someone wanting to apply? Do you have to be a certain age or how does that work? Great question. The general requirement is that you have to be at least 18 years of age, that you have to be a U.S. citizen. And if you are a male, then you have to have a a selective service number, which means that that you have to have registered for the selective service for obvious reasons. Okay. And I would imagine you need a social security number too, perhaps? Absolutely. A valid social security number? Yes. And what kind of jobs? We have several positions available. The mass elections and those thousands of thousands and hundreds and hundreds of people that we need in every single county all over the nation and all over our region are those census taker enumerator positions. We do have other positions that we have filled, but if we have turnover in those positions, we will need to fill those as well. Those are recruiting assistant positions, and those individuals work in my department where they're out in communities helping us get applicants to apply, getting verbal commitments in different communities and different areas from people that understand the importance of census and understand the importance of this job, and then agree to go on the website and apply. And then we also have, of course, like I stated, we have an office here in Denton. So we have a clerical positions and office positions in that office as well. It's one application. So when an individual goes online, it's not traditional where you're applying for a specific job. Since we need so many people, there's one application and it explains that on the website and they would or can be considered for all the positions as they become available. Would these be both full and part-time positions? Or are they all full-time? How does that work? That's a great question. All of our full-time positions where you're required to work 40 hours or more, we have filled those positions months ago. So all these positions, even the office positions, we don't call them part-time positions. We call them flexible schedule positions where an individual can commit to working a certain amount of hours per week. And all that we ask is that they complete those hours per week. So if they agree to work 10 hours a week, whether in the field or in the office, we just ask that those 10 hours are done by the end of the work week and so forth. Mark, what kind of pay rate is available for people with these jobs? That is a great question. So all of our pay rates are based off of the cost of the full-time living wage in the county that the individual lives in. So in essence, what I'm saying is that our rates are not 
competitive to other part-time or flexible schedule type positions. Normally, in most cases, they over exceed generally the part-time positions pay in these different areas. We have just increased our pay rates, even though they were more than what part-time individuals normally make, and that was approved literally two to three weeks ago. So there's a $2 an hour increase in this county where individuals, if they decide to take a position with us, they will make $27 an hour. And so we did that to attract more applicants because the unemployment rate is so low. That's how important this is to us is that we budgeted more money for staffing and for people to work because we know that if we don't have enough workers to work this census, then these areas could not be accurately accounted for and they can't change it for 10 years. So that's how important it is to us. We're asking that individuals understand the importance of this, that they go out and work in their communities for us to make sure that their communities are accurately accounted for and that they are compensated well for doing that as well. Sounds like an exciting opportunity for a lot of people. Absolutely. That's incredible. Yes. That's really a great opportunity. And I mentioned earlier that, Jennifer, you're responsible for developing partnerships with state and local governments, community-based organizations, faith-based organizations, grassroots, all kinds of organizations. It's not surprising knowing the effort that's going into this census, why it's so important to get in touch with these people. Can you speak a bit about that? Think about it. If you are a partner, you know what's going on in your community. If I live in Arlington, but I have to come to Denton, I'm not going to know what's going on in Denton. So we reach out to all of our partners that live in those areas because, first of all, they know the hard to count. They know who is in the community. They know what the outreach is. So we depend on them to tell us and to help strategize in that community to get people to fill out their census survey. That is so important. We work as well with the complete count committees that are done by cities or organizations. The complete count committees are individuals who are volunteers. We call them census ambassadors. And they help us strategize as well to let us know what needs to be done in that community in order to get people to fill out their census survey. Like we partner with UNT and the Olive Department. That was a wonderful partnership. Because of that partnership, we were able to come in and teach classes and tell the community and the seniors what goes on with the census and how they can be a part of the census. And again, today, because of the partnership, we're doing this podcast. So we're trying to spread the word as much as possible, let them know that we're counting everyone once, only once, and in the right place, that we have jobs available. And through those partnerships, it just gets more word out to everyone. We thank you very much for spending the time to talk to us and explain this very crucial and monumental undertaking with the 2020 census that's coming up. And I know you did a wonderful job at Ollie's Lunch and Learn for uh, 2020 Census 101. I love that title and explaining it to everyone. And hopefully this will also help. And I know if people want to know more, they can go online, can they not, to the U.S. Census Bureau website? Yes. Thank you very much for speaking with me today. Thank Thank you. Thank you. This has been Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas with Jennifer Pope and Mark Youngblood. Thanks for listening.